Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. Today's episode is all about a reminder of why is it that we invest? I think that the last two and a half years have been exhausting for a lot of people. Between COVID and the market plummeting the fastest it's ever plummeted, it had a five-week span where it lost almost a third of its value. We then had the next best 50 days we've ever had coming out of that downturn. We then had a good year in 2021, and then we've had a horrible year in 2020. And for a lot of investors, it's just been a very difficult ride. It's not just a matter of looking at what's going on in the news. It's not just a matter of looking at your portfolio and rationalizing this. This is something that will pass. It has become an exhausting timeframe for a lot of investors. And the famous coach, Vince Lombardi, he once said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. So in looking at that and addressing that, how do we have the reminder of what is it that we're doing when we're investing? A reminder of how do you invest successfully so that as we're going through these ups and downs and through volatility, not just now, but anytime, We can come back to what matters. We can come back to what's driving these returns and we can have a good, healthy reminder of why it is that we invest so we can begin moving forward with confidence. So that's what we'll be discussing today. Knowing that fatigue makes cowards of us all, how do we remove some of that fatigue? How do we have a good, healthy reminder of why investing works and why it's actually harnessing one of the greatest powers or one of the greatest forces in the world? And that's actually what you're doing as an investor. Before moving on into the episode, just a couple housekeeping items. Number one, make sure to check us out on YouTube under Root Financial Partners. This is a great way or this is a great place where you can find other information that's going to supplement a lot of what we talk about on the podcast. And also make sure you're telling a friend or family member about the podcast. I know that these are difficult times to navigate. When you see all the craziness happening in the stock market, when you see all the craziness happening in the world, and my hope is this podcast will help a lot of people who are trying to make the most of their financial future. So tell a friend, tell a family member, make sure to share the message, make sure to check us out on Root Financial Partners on YouTube for more great content on how to create a secure retirement. I also want to highlight the review of the week. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this username correctly. It's Jacenyik. It's J-A-C-E-N-Y-I-K. And this listener says, five stars, concise and thorough. I listened to a bunch of podcasts on financial topics, and I recently learned of this one. I find this the most helpful and useful of any I've listened to. James covers all kinds of topics, not just about investing, and in 20 minutes explains why you should consider and why. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much for that review. And if you're listening and want to leave a review, would really appreciate that. Helps more people to find our podcast. Now, with that being said, let's jump into today's episode. And today's episode, this is coming largely from a Dimensional Funds article written by Westin Wellington, who's a vice president at Dimensional Funds. And part of this episode, I'm just going to read verbatim what he says in this paper, which I think is a really amazing paper. And part of it, I'm going to summarize. But I do want to make sure I'm giving credit where credit is due. This is largely, if not entirely, coming from Dimensional Funds and Westin Wellington there. And I thought it was such an excellent piece. And what it's doing is it's highlighting the beginnings of many of these huge companies that are just an integral part of the way we do business, the way that we work, the way we relate to others. A lot of these amazing companies have very humble beginnings. And what it shows is it shows the power of the human spirit. It shows the power of innovation. It shows the power of what's driving markets and market returns. And it just highlights a few stories, stories that highlight the power of the human spirit and innovation and all that's gone into creating these wonderful companies all around us. 
And this article starts by highlighting Frederick Smith. And Frederick Smith, he's the chief executive officer of FedEx Corporation. Now I should say he's the former CEO of FedEx. He stepped down as chairman and he did so earlier this year. Now today in 2022, FedEx is the largest air freight firm in the world. And we take it for granted. We see how many things are delivered by FedEx. We see their airplanes. You've no doubt received something from FedEx. And we just take that for granted. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, Frederick Smith, he was a Yale undergraduate in 1965. And I'm summarizing directly from the article right now. In 1965, Smith wrote a term paper for his economics course outlining an overnight air delivery service for urgently needed items such as medicines or computer parts. His professor was not much impressed with the paper, but after a stint in the Air Force, Smith sought to put his classroom idea into practice. He founded Federal Express, now FedEx, in 1971, and one evening in April 1973, 14 Dassault Falcon jets took off from Memphis Airport with 186 packages destined for 25 cities, end quote. Now, if we look back with the benefit of hindsight, so this being almost 50 years ago, in hindsight, we would have said this was not a great time to launch this new venture. This new venture required a lot of aircraft, it required a lot of money, it required large quantities of jet fuel, and in retrospect, we know now that oil prices rose sharply later that year because of the Arab state's oil embargo, and not only that, but the U.S. economy fell into a deep recession. So most airlines struggled during the 1970s, and FedEx did as well. I'm going back to the article here. But to follow on that, Smith's idea found favor with customers, and 49 years after its initial deliveries, the firm is a global colossus with over 650 aircrafts, including 42 Boeing 777s, each of which can fly more cargo than 100 Falcons. Although it took over two years to turn its first profit, FedEx became the first startup in American history to generate over $1 billion in revenue in fewer than 10 years without relying on mergers and acquisitions. The journey has proved rewarding for investors as well. 100 shares purchased at the initial offering price of $24 in 1978 has mushroomed to 3,200 shares worth over $718,000 as of May 31st, 2022. End quote. Now, why do I highlight this? Yeah, that's a cool story, but so what? So what to you as an investor? So what to me as an investor? Well, I highlight this. I'm going to highlight a few other stories as well, because so often as investors, we're so focused on what's the Fed going to do next? Where are interest rates going next? What's inflation going to do? What's going to happen with global trade? What's going to happen with the next election? We're so focused on that. Things that in the short term significantly drive stock prices up and down But at its core, we're not investing because of an inflation rate. We're not investing because of what the Fed is doing. We're not investing because of who wins the next elections. We're investing because of stories like this. We're investing because of Frederick Smith creating this new airline at a time when it seemed like it'd be impossible to create a new airline, at least a successful one, that has driven the returns for investors over the next 50 years in an amazing way. Now, that's just FedEx. Many of these publicly traded companies, which again, we see all around us, but we take for granted, this is a story of innovation and hard work and perseverance. And despite oil embargoes, despite recessions, despite inflation, despite all kinds of headwinds along the way, this is what we're investing in. Not FedEx particularly, but companies like that. Companies that are driven to make a profit, companies that are driven to succeed. And we as investors, that's what we get to have ownership of. Now, we lose sight of that because all we see of the stock market are these stock market ticker symbols on CNBC or the newspaper, whatever you're looking at. But the reality is that's not what we're owning. What we're owning is the revenue and the profits of wonderful companies like this. I'm going back to the article now and just reading it word for word. 
Fred Smith's idea is just one example of ingenuity that humans have exhibited for centuries. Sticks and stones led to hammers and spears, the wheel and the axle, the steam engine, and eventually semiconductors and jet aircraft. The invention of writing made it possible to store and hand down information from one generation to the next, enabling ingenuity to compound into an ever-increasing body of knowledge. Although we often associate innovation with clever new technology, some remarkable developments have required little more than astute powers of observation. The curse of smallpox, for example, has afflicted humans with death or disfigurement for thousands of years. But English doctor Edward Jenner noticed that milkmaids who had previously experienced cowpox did not catch smallpox, and in 1796 he took material from a milkmaid's cowpox sore and inoculated James Phipps, the nine-year-old son of his gardener. Later exposed to the virus, Phipps never developed smallpox, and Jenner published a treatise on vaccination in 1801. Smallpox vaccines gradually eliminated the disease in countries around the world, and the last known case was reported in Somalia in 1977." End quote. So again, as we're looking at this, the things that we experience around us are the results of generations and generations and generations of improvement and ingenuity and new just transformations through technology, through innovation. And again, going back to the article, it says sticks and stones, not so complex today, but that led to hammers and spears. Well, hammers led to the ability to create wheels and axles and wheels and axles led to the ability to create the steam engine and the steam engine led to the ability to do different things all the way down to today where computer chips and microchips are driving so much of the innovation today. So this is happening all around us. And again, the takeaway as investors is this wave of innovation, it's not stopping. It's not stopping because of inflation. It's not stopping because of what's happening with the Fed. It's not stopping because of all these different things that are going on globally. Those things absolutely drive stock returns in the short term. But in the long run, innovation is what drives progress. Innovation is what drives profits. Innovation is what's driving our returns as investors. And we can see that since the start of history. And the interesting thing to us as investors, the interesting thing about innovation is one innovation paves the way for many other innovations. I'm going back directly to the article here. The article says, Charles Lindbergh took off from Long Island for his historic transatlantic flight to Paris on May 20th of 1927. That same day, J. Willard Marriott opened a nine-stool lunch counter serving cold A&W root beer in Washington, D.C. Ten years later, he began to supply box lunches to airlines flying from nearby Hoover Airport, and 20 years later, he opened the world's first motor hotel in Arlington, Virginia. Today, Marriott is the world's leading travel firm with over 8,000 hotel properties in 139 countries. The article then goes on to give another example. It says the now ubiquitous microwave oven can trace its roots to a happy accident. While working on radar equipment in 1945 for Massachusetts-based Raytheon, electronics engineer Percy Spencer noticed that the chocolate bar in his pocket had suddenly melted. His curiosity led to the introduction of commercial-grade water-cooled microwave ovens in 1947, costing thousands, and ultimately it's led to countertop units available today for $99. Or there's the example in June 26, 1974, when cashier Sharon Buchanan inaugurated the era of barcode inventory tracking when she scanned a pack of juicy fruit gum bearing a universal product code at Marsh Supermarket in Troy, Ohio. Barcode scanners eliminated the drudgery and inevitable mistakes associated with manual entry by checkout clerks and provided store managers with powerful tools to track sales trends. As retailers such as Home Depot, Ross Stores, and Walmart expanded throughout the country in recent decades, barcode technology played a key role in matching inventory with local preferences at each location. So we can start to see how these small little waves of innovation lead to huge waves of innovation. And that innovation leads to more innovation, and that's really been the story of human progress up until today. When I'm able to speak into this microphone and do a GarageBand app on my MacBook and have thousands and thousands of people listen to this all around the world. So as we're looking at this again, 
again, the constant takeaway and the constant reminder is this is why we invest. This may seem unrelated, but this innovation, this progress, this is what leads to higher standard of living and better wealth creation for as many people as possible throughout the globe. And by the way, this isn't just an economic thing either. If I go back to the article, it says in March of 2022, a 20-year-old woman born with a small and misshapen right ear received a 3D printed ear implant made from her own cells and shaped to precisely match her other ear. Although experimental, the procedure represented a significant advance in tissue engineering and could eventually lead to artificial organs such as lungs or kidneys, end quote. So as we see this, this wave of innovation that drives our portfolios larger, that drives our standard of living to be better, that drives our health to be better over time, this is happening. So as we're exhausted because we're turning on the TV or reading another article about what the Dow did today or what the S&P did today or what inflation is going to be, just remember that when you are invested, if you simply own an S&P 500 fund or a global stock market fund, you are owning some of the most innovative companies that have ever existed. Now, the second thing that we have to consider as investors is not just that this innovation exists, but the benefits of this innovation are widely dispersed. It's not that every single company that tries out and goes to do something new succeeds. Many of them, if not most of them, fail. So what do you do with this? Well, let's go back to the article. This article says, quote, on the other hand, suppose your fairy godmother had told you in 1935 at the dawn of commercial air travel that this tiny sector of the economy that being air travel, would eventually become a gigantic industry with millions of passengers flying every year, including some flying from breakfast in New York to Los Angeles for dinner. What would your prediction be for industry pioneers such as TWA or Pan American? Most likely, bountiful prosperity and rewarding stock market performance. Well, the millions of passengers materialized. The profits did not. Both firms went bankrupt. So innovation itself does not ensure prosperity in every case, end quote. So as I'm speaking this, what I want to remind you is number one, innovation exists and innovation is what's going to drive your returns over time. But number two, that innovation is not evenly distributed. That innovation cannot be predicted of what's the next company where it's going to come from. And this is why as investors, we diversify. So often people think, oh, diversification is when you've kind of given up. You're not trying to beat the market. And diversification is for people who don't know what's going to happen next and just want the lazy way of doing things. No, diversification is when you want to absolutely perform the best because you recognize that it's impossible to predict which companies are going to perform best next. So you want to capture the performance of all of them, knowing it's going to be a small minority of the firms that actually drive the majority of your returns as an investor. Here's an actually pretty amazing example of this. Quote, that's why it makes sense to diversify. Investors are often tempted to focus their attention on firms that appear poised to benefit from innovation, but it's difficult to predict which ideas will prove successful. And even if we could, it's unclear which firms will benefit and to what extent. Software giant Microsoft has been a big winner for investors with a share value soaring more than 100 fold over the 30 year period ending May 31st, 2022. Discount retailer Ross Storrs proved even more rewarding as the stock price multiplied over 189 times during the same time period. One firm, that being Microsoft, developed powerful computer technology, and the other firm, that being Ross Stores, applied it, end quote. So as we look at this, if you asked anyone on the streets who would have performed better over the last 30 years, Microsoft stock or Ross stock, 99 out of 100 people would have told you Microsoft with the extra one person just trying to be funny. Well, the incredible thing here is Ross Stores 
had a much better return over the last 30 years. You would not think of Ross as being innovated, at least not compared to Microsoft, but this is what happens in the stock market. Oftentimes performance happens where you least expect it. And this is why it's so important not just to believe in the power of innovation. Yes, that's gonna maybe help you get through some of the trying times like we're going through right now and to understand the history of humankind, but diversification is required to actually allow you to capture it or have the highest probability of capturing that performance over time. Lastly, when I go back to the article one more time here, it says, quote, civilization is a history of innovation. Curious minds seeking to approve upon existing ways of meeting mankind's wants and needs. Public securities markets are just one example of such creativity, and they have a history of rewarding investors for the capital they supply to fund such innovation. But a significant fraction of the wealth created in public equity markets typically comes from only a small number of firms. Therefore, we believe in owning a broad universe of stocks is the most effective way to participate in the rewards of ingenuity and innovation wherever and whenever it takes place. End quote. To summarize all of this we're talking about today, I actually want to reference another quote, not from this particular article, but this comes from Wired Magazine in an article written by Kevin Kelly last year. In this article, Kevin Kelly says this. He says, however, progress is not the prevailing view in 2021. The ills of society are very visible and the future is assumed to be bleak. There are three reasons why people tend to believe things are getting worse rather than better. Number one, progress is mostly about what does not happen. Progress means a 92-year-old who did not die today, a boy who was not robbed on his way to school, a 12-year-old girl who is not married to a 30-year-old man, etc. What did not happen does not make the news. The best parts of civilization don't get headlined. Number two, bad things happen fast while good things take longer. So when we ask what has happened in the last news cycle or the last five minutes, only fast-moving things show up, which are mostly bad news. Good takes longer than a news cycle. So most news in any media, even responsible ones, is bad news. If newspapers and websites were only updated every 50 years, they might report literacy is up, longevity increased, violence is down. Number three, the solutions to most problems will create new problems. But if we can create 1% more solution than problems, that 1% compounded over decades equals civilization. However, 1% of almost anything is invisible in the now, lost in the noise. Such a small differential is really only visible in accumulation and seen in retrospect. Optimism is therefore inherently hard to see in real life. It is a deeper current that requires counting things carefully, not just listening to tantalizing anecdotes. End quote. So one last time, I thought this would be a good episode. In the midst of everything that's happening, not just in 2022, but the last three years really, have been really trying in the stock market. The ups and the downs, the speed at which those ups and downs is happening, the uncertainty that we're going through. Yes, that's something that's always been present and we just tend to forget about it as time passes, but I am seeing a lot of exhaustion and a lot of, oh my goodness, are we going through this again? And when is this gonna recover? What does this mean for my retirement? And those are very legitimate questions. And they require some really detailed planning in regards to your specific situation to see what should you do with your investment portfolio? What does your retirement look like? However, at its core, this is why we invest. We invest because of innovation. That innovation leads to progress. That innovation leads to higher standard of living. And we're owning the stock market. It's not just this thing that tends to go up and down in value on some screen. The stock market is a combination of all these wonderful, innovative companies that are really driving progress forward, and we as investors get to capture that. So this is just a reminder of what we invest in. It's a reminder of why things go up in value over time, but it can be really challenging as an investor to go through that. So that is it for today. I really hope this was helpful. Another reminder, if you've not done so already, please be sure to leave a review for this podcast. Be sure to tell a friend or family member about it. Really want as many people as possible to be able to hear it. And if you haven't done so already, check us out on YouTube at Root Financial Partners. That is it for today. Thank you as always for listening. And I'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.